guys, what is going on? Welcome to the Rufus Rundown. I'm your host, Lucas Ferrer, live on Spotify, soon to come, iTunes and Stitcher, but finally got it live on Spotify, soon to be Apple and Stitcher. So however it's reaching you guys, I'm glad you're here. And I'd like to start it off by talking about a little Super Bowl recap. So, in life, the greatness of yourself and how great you can actually be just in life is normally determined by your ability to overcome adversity, overcome the changes, the hand you're dealt, and what you can do with it. It is the same in sports. The greatness of an athlete is determined by how well they can over, overcome adversity. How like, how they can deal with the hand they're dealt. You know, dealt if they dealt a shitty hand growing up in life and what kind of athlete they become or in a game where a certain injury takes place or just bad luck of the draw. Mistakes, anything like that, and how they overcome it. The the Saints were unable to do it. In, in their NFC Championship, Patrick Mahomes was able to show great guts and, over, and, and overcome a lot of adversity, but not all of it, in order to beat the Patriots. And the Rams were not able to overcome it in the Super Bowl. But I tell you who was. Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Bill Belichick, and the entire Patriots team was not only just able to overcome greatness in the Super Bowl, but throughout the entire season. And, and for years now, there has been no team built better to overcome adversity than the New England Patriots. I mean, next man up has basically just been coined, not just for football, but by the Patriots. And it's just incredible for me, incredible for me to watch. I, I mean, have you heard the phrase, it, it's, not a, it, it's, not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. The, the Patriots are built on that. They're not, they're not built for the sprint. You know, it's not this one, but they're just built to be consistent, stay healthy, have a game plan, and able to overcome any misfortunes or injuries just throughout the entire season. They are just, they are the dynasty of dynasties. It is insane, incomprehensible to me what they're able to do year after year with what they're working with. And, and many people are considering this a, a boring Super Bowl. I, I just find that... The defense to me is exciting. There is no part of the game of football that requires more than anything that, to, to be right. You, you, can do, you can be off a little bit on offense and you, you can still succeed because you're betting... I mean... No matter what you do on offense, even if a block, a certain block is missed or a certain hole doesn't come open, there's still plenty of opportunities as to where if all 11 guys on defense don't perform their job to the 10th degree, to perfection, there is a greater chance that that ball is going to the house than there was at the beginning of the play. I mean, football, you can have, a, on offense, I mean, you can have you know one or two things go wrong in certain areas. But on defense, if all 11 guys aren't firing off and know exactly what they're doing, there's a problem. Listen, if Patrick Mahomes is throwing deep to Tariq Hill and he puts it like a half step behind him, there's some adjustment there. 
and that play's still going to most likely be made no matter what. I mean, you can have some, you know, even on defense, there's it can't happen. Because, like I mentioned, a half step, if you're a half step behind still, you're still not catching him there. He's still making that play. There's a difference, there's, there's such a minuscule difference on defense. And not one, but both teams, the Patriots and the Rams, had incredible game plays set. Game plan set. I mean, credit wins credit due to both sides. I mean, both. I mean, the Rams' defense as 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 ridiculed as they've been the entire season. I mean, they really showed up. They 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 played up to the price that was paid for them, and it really just changed the outcome of the game. I mean, they gave them one weapon. The Pats had basically one weapon, and that weapon was was Julian Edelman. I mean, that's the adversity I'm talking about overcoming. I mean. The interception early from Brady, just the the stifling defenses on both sides, and and they and both teams weren't really able to overcome it until that drive from Brady. I mean, Rob Gronkowski banged up, hurt all season, but he showed up for most likely what was the biggest play of the Super Bowl, and then they handed off to a guy they drafted in the first round, who again, very very tough criticism him criticism throughout the season, him being hurt on and off. Starting off slow, and then Sony Michelle punches in that touchdown to to give them the win on a drive led by Tom Brady, who struggled throughout that game. For the most part, he was the Patriots. Tom Brady were able to overcome that adversity. The Rams were not. The Rams just kind of ran out of gas there. And McVeigh admitted to being out coached. Congratulations to the Patriots. Uh, they did a great job. You know, Coach Belichick did an outstanding job. You know, there's really no other way to put it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty numb right now, but, you know, definitely I got out coached and I didn't do nearly good enough for a football team. And, and personally, as a Saints fan, that is the response I'd like to see to a loss. You know, don't, don't, don't complain. Don't bitch and moan about the refereeing. Admit to it. You were out coached. The Saints were out coaching their game against the Rams, and, the, and McVay was, you know, up front and admitted to being out coached in this one. And you know why? Why is that? Why was Sean McVay out coached? Well, where was Todd Gurley? Why was Todd Gurley MIA? I mean, you're looking at the second best offense in the NFL, a team who put up 54 weeks in a regular season game, like averaging 33 points per game. Where was Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley had 10 carries and 2 targets. He had 11 total touches. It's astonishing to me. Gurley in the regular season played 14 games, 315 touches, 1,800 scrimmage yards, and 21 total touchdowns. And then in the playoffs, 3 games, 34 touches, 165 scrimmage yards, and 2 touchdowns. But he was healthy. They have been very adamant that Todd Gurley was healthy. It's such a head-scratcher to me. He's the most all-around explosive and versatile back in the NFL. Arguably. I mean, it's either him, Zeke, or Kamara. And right now, there's no one who can tell me that it isn't him. I mean, those guys are making their case, but Gurley has been solidified in that spot for the past few seasons. And you don't use him? With him being fully healthy, it, you went with chubby C.J. Anderson for most of your touches? It's just a confusing confusing process for me. 
I mean, you, your team only scores three points, and you have the most explo- one of the most explosive, if not the most explosive running back in the NFL sitting on the sidelines. What are you doing? Jared Goff's out there struggling. He looks like a deer in headlights. And, and you need to give him, give him somebody to get the ball to. Get, get it in their hands. Either take the pressure off him running the football or get it to him out of the backfield. You need, Or just as a diversion. If Todd Gurley's on that field versus C.J. Anderson... Listen, someone's, his attention is going to get drawn by someone. That means something. He's the most explosive running back in the NFL. That That's going to mean something. So, someone's going to want to cover him out of the backfield. He's definitely going to get, you know, eyes, eyes are going to be drawn to him. It's going to open. You can find some way, somehow, to open something up with him on the field. So as great of a season and as great as a play caller as he is, it's a head scratcher to see why Todd Gurley didn't make it in. I mean, it's it's almost Belichickian in a sense that when if a guy fumbles the football, you don't see this guy ever again. You miss a meeting, you're late to a meeting, you never hear about that name again. He dropped that pass that caused the interception against the Saints and he disappeared off the face of the earth. I mean, I guess he was recovering from an injury at the time, but if he was fully healthy in that game, I just can't see how he gets 11 touches, 12 targets. I just, incomprehensible. I, I cannot understand it. But then if we go back to the Patriots, um, I want to talk about Julian Edelman. I'm not sure if people outside of New England really understood what this guy meant to the Patriots or still understand what this guy means to the Patriots. They, they should now. I mean, this is one of the toughest, grittiest players we've seen. A seventh-round draft pick. No combine invite. I mean, one catch for 11 yards in his, in his college career because he was a quarterback at Kent State. Didn't receive a single D1 offer. Had to play Juco growing up. I, I mean, an absolutely incredible story that, God, I hope there's a movie made about someday. Such a tough player. Great, great role model. If you have kids growing up wanting to play football, that is the guy you want them to model their playing style after, the grittiness, the hustle, everything. That is who you want to model yourself after as a young football player. That is the that is your role model. He has to be. He shows out for 10 catches for 141 yards. He pretty basically the only offensive weapon for the Patriots. The only consistent one in that game. And I'm just... I can't say I'm amazed by it. I'm, I'm amazed by it, but I'm not surprised by it. Because this is just... A guy that people continue to write off and write off and throw the slot tag around at him. And I get he's out of the slot, but this guy is irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. I, I, I get he plays a position where everybody thinks it's so easily replaceable, but not in this offense. He means so much more to the New England Patriots. What he's able to do in special teams and just as a leader himself out there, he means so much to that organization. And I have to say the same about James Devlin. Yes, fullback lives do matter. Fullbacks matter. Maybe not to the other 31 teams in the NFL, or 30. I'll throw a shout-out to Kyle Juszczyk in there, too. Great fullback for the San Francisco 49ers. But, so let's say 30 out of 32 teams don't really care about fullbacks too much. Eh, you can slide a tight end there and once in a while if you want to go our information. Well, James Devlin was the lead blocker for all the Patriots rushing touchdowns in the playoffs. This dude's a fucking beast. I mean... And people are going to, you know, throw it back at me with the play, the first play that happened when Sue cleaned him out. Hey, guess what? Did Sue make that play? No. 
Because who was in his way? James Neff, regardless of how the play goes, I've played fullback. It's not always about laying out someone on their ass. Putting someone on a, on a different planet. Their head's spinning around. They're, they're, they're looking through their ear hole when they get up. It's not about that all the time. I mean, a lot of times it is. And don't get me wrong, it's, it's incredibly fun to do. It's just about getting in the way. It's a split-second game, man. If you're a split, like I said, on defense... Every little thing matters. 11 guys need to be all in the game. If one isn't, that shit's going to the house. That's what my coaches preach to me, and, and it damn well is what happened I'll often if, if even one guy just wasn't doing his job. Yeah, another Patriots reference. Um, It's just about getting in the way, just holding him for that split second, get, just getting in his way for a little bit to just deter his path a little bit, and James Devlin is in, just excellent at it. One of... He's like an extra guard out of the backfield. You I mean, catch passes too, but again, another leadership guy, but just outstanding play out of the backfield by James Devlin. The Patriots would have had not even anywhere close to the run game, not even in just that game, but this year without what James Devlin was able to do, especially when you have a young running back like Sony Michelle out of the backfield doing what he is able to do. It's just really helpful to be able to run behind a guy and a veteran like James Devlin. And then get to throw a quick shot to Kyle Van Noy in the defense. Um, he had that great uh, quote on when he went on ESPN saying, or after you know, with Kellerman and stuff now playing around with Kellerman, and uh, he had, he had a fantastic game. Really an unsung hero for the Pats. Glad to see him enjoying it. And also the McCourty twins. I think that's the coolest thing. Jason McCourty, 0-16 with the Browns the year prior, and now this year a Super Bowl champion. And also, too, Devin McCourty had some great pregame sound with his pregame speech, and I'll let you guys hear that now, too. Think about this is one last time, but I was reading a verse in Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It says, two is better for one, but they have a great reward, because if one falls, the other one can pick them up. The other one can pick them up. What was the man who's alone, because no one can pick them up? All day today, fellas, have each other's back. One last time. One last time for the 2018 season. We've been through everything to be here in this moment. In this moment. For everyone back home. For your mom, your dad, your grandparents, everyone that loves you. Tonight is the night. Show the world. Dominate on three. One, two, three. Now, there's heavy criticism on the Rams right now with good reason. I mean, it's a really expensive team. I mean, they still got a little bit of cap room left to play around. But, I mean, a lot of guys were... I'm not sure if you're guaranteed to get the same kind of production in, the year, in, in this next year. And what do you have with Jared Goff? I mean, there's times where he, this kid shows up and he and he looks like he's gonna he is the number one overall, former number one overall pick. He looks like this this stud that's gonna take over the league in his other games where he just can't get it together. He needs to be in, in a comfortable situation. He can't be out of his comfort zone. He has to have the perfect setting to be good. And I get. He is still young, but what do you really have with Jared Goff? I think the question has to be asked, and we'll we'll get the answer in the next few years or so. But I think that's a genuine question. What 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 do we have with with Jared Goff? Next up, got some NBA trade deadline talk. Now that it's over and past, how everything's settled and what the deal is with Anthony Davis. I'll be covering that next. Thanks. 
So we're back. Got some NBA trade deadline talk. I want to kick it off with the the late deal right at the end of the trade deadline. Before it ended, Markel Fultz dealt out of Philly already for a former G League stud in Jonathan Simmons. Protected first rounder, late first rounder, and a second rounder from Cleveland. Now that goes down as an absolute robbery by Danny Ainge. If you recall, the, 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 that's the draft where the Celtics had the number one overall pick, that Nets pick, that huge Nets pick, that uh, they uh, traded, traded down for. And they got, uh, who was it? Oh, oh, Jason Tatum. Yeah, guys, guys kind of all right at basketball, which is just absolute robbery by Danny Ainge. I mean, my goodness. And then, if you want to go and cover what we're talking Danny Ainge robberies, the other Danny Ainge robbery was the Kyrie Irving trade in which we dealt away Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas still had barely even touched the court. I don't even think he's touched the court yet. So there's two robberies by Danny Ainge, and we're about to see a third one come this offseason. And why is that? Well, that is because this whole Anthony Davis drama about how he doesn't want to, you know, re-sign with Boston and this whole, you know, Lakers leaking information and this, and this crazy, crazy asking prices for Anthony Davis by the Pelicans. The Pelicans are the worst organization in the NBA. I, I mean, they're going to be the first... When, when, when the NBA moves back to Seattle, when we bring the Supersonics back, that is the first team getting shipped right up there. Nobody even... No one cares about the Pelicans. I mean, the NBA owned it. The city of New Orleans is not going to miss the Pelicans. They have the Saints. Trust me, they will be fine with the Pelicans leaving. I mean, just listen to the name Pelicans. Who cares about the New Orleans Pelicans? If it wasn't for Anthony Davis being there, no one would even know they existed. I can't blame Anthony Davis for wanting out of that. No, not even a little bit. But my problem comes down to this now. This team cannot, obviously Boston, because of the collective bargaining agreement and the similar contracts of Kyrie and Anthony Davis, they cannot trade for him this offseason. This season, they'd have to trade in the offseason. The team with the best value for a trade for Anthony Davis is undoubtedly the Boston Celtics, who obviously couldn't make a deal that window. But the Lakers were obviously in talks to trade for Davis as well. But the Lakers just couldn't get enough together to get Anthony Davis. And why is that? Because Danny Ainge is on the phone saying, don't make that deal. We'll give you A, B, C, D, whatever you want come the offseason. Keep driving up the price. Driving up the price. Probably even offering up Jason Tatum. So the Lakers are making their push, making their push. All the details are coming out. Probably LeBron telling Rich Paul of the same sports agency, him and Anthony Davis assigned to, saying, dude, I need some help here. We need to do something. We'll, we'll just tell Anthony Anthony to you know demand a trade. We'll be fine. We'll get you Anthony Davis. We'll go from there. Didn't quite work out that way. 
and a lot of people complaining about like oh the Lakers didn't want to you know sell their whole future. Why would you want to sell the future for Anthony? Da- Anthony Davis is your future. Anthony Davis will bring in all the free agents you need. LeBron's not going to be around forever. He might not be around more than three, four years. But that's what you knew when you brought in your LeBron. So your future is these next however many years LeBron is here. Probably three, four. Maybe five. We'll say five. Five years LeBron is here. Four or five years LeBron's here. That is your future. That's what you knew bringing in LeBron. And if you bring in Anthony Davis, you'll be able to bring in plenty of surrounding free agents. Clay Thompson's, maybe even Kevin Durant. There's plenty of guys that will be willing to go there, especially if it's LeBron and Anthony Davis. Regardless of what the surrounding cast is, plenty of guys will be willing to go there and even take pay cuts to surround. Because Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and God, make me sick. But Kyrie Irving, who's beating that team? I mean... Ah, it'd be a clash of the Titans for sure with the Warriors, but I mean, it'd be tough for me to say no to that team, winning it all. So with Danny Ainge driving up the price, what the Pelicans should have done is taken the Lakers deal, the best Lakers deal. I'm learning economics class right now. You take anything, uh, anything more than zero. When it comes down to it, if you're going to get nothing for a product, if you if your guy's going to walk as a free agent in the offseason, you're going to get nothing for him. You take any deal more than zero because you know the Celtics are going to screw you come this offseason. You know Danny Ainge is going to highway rob you out of Anthony Davis, regardless of whether he's willing to re-sign long-term then. Because the Pelicans are going to sit down and know, hey, we're not going to get anything more than this. And why is the value going to go down? Because his value is going to go down. Because the Lakers just treated, traded away one of their pieces, Zubach, in the trade, to get rid of Michael Beasley too. So the Lakers definitely don't have a case. None of the other teams in the NBA have even relatively close to the case that the Celtics can make, especially if they offer up Jason Tatum. But they're not going to trade Jason Tatum, no. They're going to say, hey, listen, we got a couple second-round picks, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. This is the best we can do to you. This is the best we can do for you. And in all honesty, that's going to be the best they can get on the market. So if the Pelicans are smart and they're not just going to let this guy walk, Ains is going to take him right down to the end drive the price way down, and have Anthony Davis' offseason. Who wins the trade deadline? The Celtics do. I get that the the Raptors brought in Marc Gasol. I get that the Bucks brought in Miritich. I get the 76ers brought in Boban and Tobias Harris. I get all that. But the Celtics, it played right into their hands. If you know anything about Danny Ainge, this is only going to work in his favor. Because you know the team, the Pelicans, aren't going to give Anthony Davis what he wants. Even if the price from the Celtics is just matching the Lakers, they're going to trade him to Boston. Why are they going to give him what he wants? They were already willing not to to play him, just to keep his value up. So he doesn't get hurt. Players in these situations never get what they want. They come out and say, I want to play for this team. That's fine. You can say you want to leave. I'm more than okay with that. If you want to go, I want to win now. That's fine. But if you don't have a no-trade clause, you ain't picking. You can't come out and say, I want to play here, here, and here. And that's why I got the tampering charge. That's exactly why I got the tampering charge. And it's only 50000 Name me a player that isn't going to come out and say where they want to go and have their dad come out and say this about, oh, how he wouldn't want to sign long-term here or how they did Isaiah Thomas. Name a guy who isn't going to take the cut of the 50000 because everybody's getting he's getting a max contract anyways. 
It doesn't matter. So I think the fine for tampering alone screws the whole deal up. Yeah, like I said, mention, mention the other trades. I think the Celtics win the deadline. Just for that reason alone. Maybe not this season. Not winning the deadline this season. But when they bring in Anthony Davis next offseason... And they don't, and they keep Jason Tatum in the process. That's a win in my mind. Now, in terms of the rest of the NBA, I love the poor Zingas move to the Mavs, and then the Mavs proceeded to trade away Harrison Barnes to open up some cap room. So, it's going to be the Doncic and Porzingis show for some time to come. And if they can bring in another Max guy soon enough, that's a dangerous team. I mean, really does suck for the Knicks, but I mean, in all honesty. We can confirm that Porzingis has eyes in our brain. Where are the Knicks going? Absolutely nowhere. It is a hot dumpster fire. A incinerating dumpster fire in New York right now in terms of basketball. So, great deal for the Mavs. There's a lot of value going back to the Knicks. I think Dennis Smith's a really good point guard. Mixed up with Kevin Knox. I mean, there's, there's positives to see both ways. The Knicks could certainly have the ability to build off it in the coming years, but I think the Mavs made arguably the best move of the deadline. Now, Harrison Barnes to the Kings, not bad for production now for the Kings because they can make a run into the playoffs right now. Obviously not a deep run. Who is making a deep run at this point with Golden State? We all know who's going to the finals. But it's nice to see Harrison Barnes... Added for some production by the Kings. Uh, the other one being to- Tobias Harris to the 76ers. Um, I think that's a great add for Philly. It-, it gives them a lot of depth. Great starting five right now. And the Clippers, it opens up a ton of cap space for the Clippers. Now the Clippers can go after Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant of the world. And all these guys, they opened up plenty of cap space to bring those guys in. Especially having dealt Avery Bradley now, who has sucked for the Clippers. He has been terrible. Hot trash, Avery Bradley's been in LA. So we'll see if he can pick his game up in Memphis because they're also a, a lot of hot trash right now. Which is exactly why Marcus Gasol's getting out of town. They traded with Gasol to the Raptors for Valachunas, D- Dellen Wright, CJ Miles in a second round pick, which is a pretty good deal for a guy that can make a lot of impact for a team that's really trying to get hit, hit it off and go to the finals. And for another team in the East that made a great deal too is the Bucks getting Nikola Mirotic who's been having a great year as well. So personal opinion, who wins the deadline? I, I In the win now category, the 76ers certainly adding Tobias Harris is huge. But yeah, the Celtics, man. If they can just you know pick up their play a little bit and if Kyrie can show even an ounce of leadership down the stretch here, I think they're going to be good to go. I mean, if you add Anthony Davis in the offseason, it's for sure good to go. If you can make a deep run even to the finals this year, take a whack at Golden State, and then add Anthony Davis in the offseason for a discounted price because Danny Ainge does what Danny Ainge does, you win this deadline because you drove up the price enough as to where AD stayed put. And then on top of it, you make a run to the finals, give yourselves a chance, make a deep run in the playoffs. I think it's very doable to then add Anthony Davis in the offseason there. But that's all the time we have here in the Rufus Rundown. 
So, gl- glad you guys were able to tune in and enjoy. Like I said, soon to come on iTunes and Stitcher, live on Spotify. You guys, check out the YouTube, my first Liverpool career mode, episode one dropped, and I'll be bringing more YouTube content to you guys as well. An assortment of things, mainly the gaming, but I'll, I'll be doing some vlogs and stuff like that as well too. Some maybe like sm- like shorter video podcast. All of that will be coming your way in the future. And some more consistency as well. Podcast going to be a Tuesday-Saturday type deal. Uh, we're going to have some Madden Mondays going on. And like FIFA Friday. So it's going to be an assortment of stuff like that. I'm glad you guys have been enjoying the content. Oh, and by the way... The website's live. Yes, sir, it is. The website is finally here. I got to piece some stuff together on it, but the website's up. And then content, I'll I'll start pumping out as much content as I can for you guys. So make sure to subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, Stitcher, and subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Like the Facebook page. This your boy Rufus, signing off. Hey, pretty baby, am I in your way? Cause you walked out so fast yesterday No, I don't think you're here to stay No, I don't think you're here to stay So tell me what you want Tell me how you want it Tell me all the reasons that you're running away I don't think you're here to stay No, I don't think you're here to stay No, no, no I just wanna be with you I just wanna be with you I just wanna be